Welcome to Bethany United Methodist Church. If you're just now joining us, we're glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. We welcome you to uh, be with us and uh, join in on this. And Frank, my computer has done something funny here. And uh, I don't have my glasses on to see what I'm doing. So I'm going to invite you to come and uh, I'll let you uh, reset that for a minute. Uh, we're in this uh, uh, finishing up the Awakening series. This is the first Sunday of Lent. We were going to start that. But I wanted to do this, this last Sunday slide because it, it ties together the whole uh, four-week series, and so uh, I want to share that with you this morning. It's been an interesting week. Uh, hopefully you have power uh, at home this morning, and your water is returning. Uh, somebody told me that, you know, 2020 brought us all the, the you know, the, the pandemic, and we had the, the problems with the racial tensions that we were going in. We had the election, all that, and it's like 2021 said, well, so what can I do? So, you know, we get our week where we get frozen out and power goes down and everything. So uh, hopefully you're doing well. And if you have needs, as Wynn said, if you'll uh, reach out to us, uh, we would like to be able to be in ministry with you about that. Uh, as we come in this, uh, one of the things I want to remind you about being, uh, talking about the waking life is the greatest obstacle to spiritual awakening is that we already think we are awake. So as we begin this this morning, whether you are thinking you're awake or whether you know you're sleepwalking, either way, I want you to hear uh, Paul's encouragement to us to wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead. And Christ and... will shine on you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being with us through this week. It's been crazy, and uh, some of us have had difficulty, and some of us have had real problems this week. And so uh, some of us are here this morning refreshed, and some of us are still struggling to get things put back together. Uh, come and be present with us and uh, pour out your strength and your perseverance and your endurance on us. Uh, wake us up this morning as we're in this time of the worship and, and open our eyes and, and our hearts to receive what it is you want to say to us. Uh, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm going to take you back to Ezekiel's vision in the 47th chapter. Remember, God has taken him, and uh, he, he sees the, the stream flowing out from under the altar and, and out of the temple and, and out from under the city walls. And, and, and as it goes out in further and further out into the world, it becomes greater and greater. It becomes this mighty river uh, that no one can cross. And, and then God asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large, number of, large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Anglam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. 
There's this wonderful vision that God places before Ezekiel and invites him to see of this river, this river of life that flows out from God's sanctuary and out in the world and becomes greater and greater and greater until it becomes so mighty that, that no one can cross it and, and trees along the bank which bear fruit all year long for food and for the healing of, of the people, this very river of life that goes out. And the question he asks Ezekiel as he begins this is, do you see this? Do you see this? Remember, this vision comes in the middle of a very difficult time in the history of Israel when the people of Israel felt like God had forgotten them and abandoned them and they were cut off. And, and so God gives them this vision of the river of life that flows out from that place. So, so even on weeks like this when we're coming uh, and many of us have struggled with power and, and cold and with water, um, this vision still is poured out before us of the river of life coming from the heart of God. And God says, do you see this? Do you see this? When Jesus begins his ministry in Mark's gospel, uh, John's been put in prison and Jesus goes into Galilee. He begins to proclaim the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and, and turn and believe the good news. The good message that God has sent us. Repent and believe the good news. And for many years when I read that, and especially in my younger years especially, I always heard that as a word about eternal salvation. You know, the good news is that God has come in Jesus Christ, and, and by his offering of himself on the cross, he frees us from sin by his resurrection. He gives us the promise of everlasting life, and that's the good news. But I want you to hear what Jesus is really saying here. He's not just talking about what's going to happen out there in the future at the end of my life or at the end of the ages do you hear what he says the time has come the kingdom of god has come near the good news is that that it's not just about what happens out there it the good news is that the kingdom of god is breaking into the here and now the river of life is flowing out into the world and wherever the river of life flows it brings healing and wholeness and strength when Jesus is uh, starting his ministry, he also goes to Nazareth, which is where he had grown up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handing, handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. Now, I want to stop for a minute. I want you to realize this is not like a, a marked reading for the day. This is not you know, something that was already determined ahead of time. You hear he unrolls this scroll and he goes specifically, finds this specific place in Isaiah. And from the 61st chapter, he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The time has come. The kingdom has come near. Today it's fulfilled in your hearing. And the signs of the kingdom that Isaiah prophesies are now going to be fulfilled in your midst. When John has uh, been put in prison and he hears about what Jesus is doing, uh, and Jesus is not overthrowing the Roman government as many people thought the Messiah was going to do. It, he had a moment of doubt, and, and so he'd heard about what Jesus was doing. He, he calls his disciples to him, uh, and, and he says to two of them, 
I want you to go and ask the Lord, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Again, the time has come, the kingdom has come near. Those, those things that Isaiah prophesied are happening. Go tell John, the prophecy of Isaiah is, is being fulfilled. It's happening. And so if you go back and look at that Isaiah passage, this is a description of what it looks like, the kingdom. You know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. There's this wonderful, amazing vision of the river of life that's being poured out and bringing strength and healing of mind, body, and spirit to everyone who comes in touch with it. This is this magical vision. And, and it's not something that, that Jesus is saying, that's going to happen someday. Jesus is saying, it's happening now. It's happening now in our midst. The time has come. The kingdom has drawn near. Do you see this? So after Jesus begins his ministry by that, that announcement, the time has come, the kingdom has drawn near, repent and believe the good news, this is what happens. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. I want to stop and I want to remind you, remember from the very first week, you know, Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. So when Jesus teaches, Jesus teaches as the word. He teaches with an authority that none of the rest of us can carry or match because he is the word and the word is Jesus. He taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching. And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And then almost immediately, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, if you ever happen to go to Capernaum and visit, uh, one of the things you'll realize is, is when you step out of the front of that synagogue, it's only, what, maybe 50 feet, 100 feet to, to uh, the home, to Simon and Andrew's home. And so he literally, he's just going right there as soon as they left the synagogue. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. 
The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And then after this whole day of doing these amazing things, he rests, and the next morning, early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then almost immediately, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleaned. And wherever the river of life pours out, where, the, where the God's life, God's spirit is moving out into the world, there is wholeness and there is healing and there is strength, whether it's of mind, body, or spirit, we are renewed in life. And you see this over and over again. Jesus is just demonstrating this on this first day of his ministry as he goes through and all these healings take place. He even touches someone with leprosy. And the word be cleansed doesn't simply mean be healed physically. It also means a cleansing of the spirit. Because when the river of life flows out, it is, it is not reduced when it comes into contact with what is unclean, but rather it makes everything clean by its contact. The river of life is flowing out in all of his ministry. And, and the question is, do you see this? Do you see this? Because this vision of the kingdom, this understanding of the movement of God's life is critical for us to understand. It doesn't just stay in the sanctuary it isn't confined only to the priest, but rather it pours out in the world. And the further it goes out, the greater it becomes, bringing life to everyone who comes in contact with it. I want you to listen to a, a, a word about this from uh, Dr. David Thomas. That is absolutely crucial that people, as we're studying this, that this is not a course for pastors. This is not for clergy. This we pray actually for there to be such an increase of carriers of awakening DNA into the professions. Yes. That, that's where Jesus, you're right, most of his work, most of his teaching was in the marketplace. It was not in the synagogue, the vast majority of it. And um, one of the great markers of awakening history has been every time the resurgence of what, you know, we, what Luther called the priesthood of all believers, but this whole idea of the empowering and equipping and releasing of the, the gifts of God into the professions. And we, so we go to work every day, say, come Holy Spirit, make this a day of awakening impact in my kids I'm teaching in my class, in the people that I encounter at my retail you know, location yes. when I'm at the cash register, whatever, that you will let, let me see those people as you see them and let, just give me the opportunity to make a kingdom impact yeah, right here. Yeah. yeah, everyone, you know, wherever you are, whatever profession you're in, whatever it is you do, the call of this is, is to step into the kingdom wherever you are. If it's only limited to, to what happens within these walls at the church and it's only limited to the pastors of the church, we strangle that river back down to a small stream instead of letting it be this tremendous river of life that God is wanting to pour out in the world. It pours out through all of God's people and flows out into the world. And, and wherever it goes and touches people's lives, it brings strength and it brings wholeness and it brings healing. 
We're all called as people who are awakened in the life of God to be those people who participate in this. We're, we're called to be sharing this word out to the whole world. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near right, right with you, right where you're at right now. It's time to believe the good news right now. Jesus tells a story about this um, in Matthew's gospel as he talks about sharing uh, the word of the kingdom. Uh, it's a very familiar story in a lot of ways. Uh, it's agriculture-based about the, the sower and the seed. Uh, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Yes. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In other words, whoever has ears. Anyone who's willing to listen and to, and to hear what's saying, let them hear. Nonetheless, later on, he had to explain this to his disciples. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now that parable is about the extravagance of God, that God pours out this river of life. God pours it out into the world and is not worried, is not worried about you know, not having enough because the abundance of God has no limits. The abundance of God has no limits. And so God calls us to participate in the same way. God's model is not an efficiency model. God's model is an extravagance model. We're not called only to those places where we know it's going to work or those particular kinds of things where we absolutely are confident everything's going to go just right or we're going to be listened to. But rather, we're called to pour this out to everybody, not worrying about whether the love or grace might ever run out because God's love and grace is infinite and God resupplies us in infinite ways. We don't have to worry about being efficient because God's not efficient. God is extravagant and we're, we're called to pour this out upon the world. Someone has said that uh, the gospel is, is totally inclusive in that it's offered to anyone. It's offered to anyone. It's poured out for anyone who wants to receive it. But it's exclusive in that not everyone will receive it or accept it. But nonetheless, the extravagance is it keeps being poured out. It keeps being poured out upon the world. We keep offering up the kingdom river of life to the world. Do you, do you see this? 
This is the call on our lives as people who step into the awakening that, that what we have experienced, this, this kingdom of God that's taken root in our hearts and our homes and our churches, gets poured out into the community and into the world. This river of life is flowing forth from God. And we step into it and become part of it. This extravagant sharing of God's love to the world. It's a challenging kind of thing for us. Do you see this? If you, if you don't understand, you don't hold on to that vision, then we tend to limit it. If we don't understand that this is what God's doing, then we make it all about us or we make it all about just what the paid professionals do instead of claiming this vision of the kingdom for ourselves. I mean, when you talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're, we're not talking about a plan or a program, but the kingdom of heaven, it's the brimming over of the Holy Spirit in God's people in the world. It, it's the brimming over of the Holy Spirit. It, if, if it's a plan or a program, you know, then it becomes all about us. Uh, and it carries all of our brokenness, all of our failures, all of our weaknesses, all of our limitations. And too often, I think, because we don't have a vision of the river of life, of the kingdom of heaven coming into the world, we substitute our plans and our programs. And we're really good at that in the church. You know, we have our committees and they study things and, and they check demographics and they identify different targets and all those kinds of things like that. And we make all these great plans and, and we have all these programs that we identify and we do. And, and in spite of that, at least within our denomination, we've seen a steady decrease of spiritual vitality within the church. Because if it's not the spirit brimming over in us, God's life is not in it. When the Spirit brims over in us, we, we may need to plan what we're doing, but it comes from this brimming up, this welling up of the love of God within us, this river of life that begins within us and pours out into the world. And it begins, it, it, it begins with the Spirit. Remember all those passages, description, whether uh, Isaiah 61, when Jesus reads it, right, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's where it begins. You know, this past week we had really no plan for this weather event, and it was clear that really uh, this was so unprecedented in our state uh, that, you know, really no one really had an adequate plan for it, which resulted in all kinds of difficulty. And, and in the midst of that, there were people in this congregation who said, what can we do? What can we do? And so People opened their homes to people who, who didn't have heat so they could stay warm. People shared water and resources with people who didn't have it. You saw the photos a minute ago as Wynn shared those. Uh, people offered up what they could to others to, to reach out to them. One of our folks even fixed warm food and water and took it to the homeless camps around the area so that those folks would have something to eat and to drink. Now, it wasn't a plan. It wasn't a program. It was simply the welling up, the brimming over of the Holy Spirit in God's people. The river of life being poured out in, in the midst of a very difficult time in our community. It's not a plan or a program. It's, it's the kingdom of heaven breaking into the world that we live in. And I want to remind you as you, you think about this and you struggle with this, that, that you know, awakening, it's not achieved by effort. It's received by surrender because it's, it comes through the life of the Holy Spirit. It's not something where we can give you a 10-point plan. It's not something where if you do this, that, and the other, check off the boxes, it just automatically happens. It's an act of surrender. And if you're in that place where you're struggling with that and, and saying, I, I want to get there, but I'm not there, and I don't know how to get there, what God is telling you is there's, there's more that needs to be let go. There's more that needs to be surrendered until your life is totally surrendered and you step into this river of life. 
This vision Ezekiel sees, uh, and that uh, we, I shared with you earlier, of the, the Son of Man, did you see this, the bank of the river, the, the great number of trees on each side of the river. And God said the river flows toward the eastern ridge and goes down to the Arabah where it empties, enters into the Dead Sea, and when it empties in the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. And then he says at the end of that passage, fruit trees of all kinds grow on both banks of the river. Leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary, the river of life, flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This vision that Ezekiel has connects to the vision of the fulfillment of God's purposes at the end of time that's shared in the revelation of John when he sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, the peoples. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. This, this final fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven, of the river of life, where, where healing and sustenance flows from the life of God. And, and yet, already now... It breaks in because the time has come and the kingdom has drawn near. Do you see this? Do you see this? It's absolutely critical for us to understand that, that God is at work because if we don't see the kingdom, then we begin to substitute our ideas and our plans for God's life. And our ideas and our plans always carry our failings and brokenness and weakness. It's only when we can see this, when we can surrender ourselves to the very life of God moving in the world, that this kingdom begins to flow out and these amazing things begin to happen. That's why Paul just keeps urging us. Paul keeps urging us, right? Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Amen. So my brothers and sisters, I just urge you. I urge you. I encourage you. Open yourselves up. Surrender yourselves to the river of life. Allow God to be bringing that awakening into your heart and into your home and into the church and into the community. This is the heart of God. I want to invite you as you're able to stand with me and we are going to say the Sower's Creed. And, and I hope as we've gone through this, you've heard more and more pieces of this coming together uh, for you and making, you know, connecting the dots for you. Uh, but I invite you to say this with me. Today, I sow for a great awakening. Today, I stake everything on the promise of the Word of God. I depend entirely on the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the same mind in me that was in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus is good news and Jesus is in me, I am good news. Today, I will sow the extravagance of the gospel everywhere I go and into everyone I meet. Today, I will love others as Jesus has loved me. Today, I will remember that the tiniest seeds become the tallest trees, that the seeds sown today become the shade of tomorrow, that the faith of right now becomes the future of the everlasting kingdom. Today, I sow for a great awakening. I want to close with a word of prayer over you as we close this out. This is uh, built out of Isaiah 61 in the first chapter of Ephesians. Uh, so I'm just going to invite you to stand and, and hold your hands out with your palms out and receive this blessing from Scripture. Come, Holy Spirit, and rest upon us.
Anoint us to proclaim the good news to the poor. Bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Comfort those who mourn and bestow on them a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Awaken us to the reality of your kingdom of heaven on earth. Give us vision that goes beyond our experience or imagination. Let Christ dwell in our hearts that we may know his love that surpasses knowledge and be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.